Welcome to Code Gray, an episode-by-episode retrospective of the Shonda Rhimes show, Grey's Anatomy. I'm Megan Totsky. And I'm Teresa Rosado. And each week we review an episode's characters, themes, song choices, deaths, and so much more. And we are starting from the very beginning. I think you have to do the summary this week. Okay. I think that's all on you. Okay. I have 30 seconds to do it. Um, yeah, so let me let me get this timing thing going. Is it by that I mean stopwatch? There's <laughs> a word. <laughs> this mystical device, <laughs> newfangled technology we have. Okay, ready, mm-hmm. set, okay. go. All right, here we are, season one, episode three, winning a battle, losing the war, which is a Kings of Convenience song. Um, this episode starts with Seattle's Dead Baby Bike Race, which is a no-holds-barred bike race in Seattle. Um, and um, people do some crazy shit. Um, a lot of people get seriously injured, and one guy dies. Um, Izzy and George... <laughs> yeah, it's a serious womp-womp. Um, Izzy and Yang... Oh, oh God, can we start it over, please? <laughs> Can I try it again? Let me do it again. Let me do that it again. Let me do it again. Okay. 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 We'll do it again, but we're also going to keep that too. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ready? Tell me when. Okay. Ready? And three, two, one. Go. Okay, season one, episode three, winning a battle, losing a war. It takes place with the dead baby bike race, which is a no-holds-barred bike race in Seattle. Um, there's a super hot guy named Viper who gets stabbed in the chest, pulls out the things, and then walks away, um, comes back later, and <laughs> Meredith has to treat him. They make out. Um, Izzy and Yang have to work together on a guy who's been a victim of this, and he's essentially um, brain dead, and they want to harvest his organs. And Five seconds. Uh, George hands Yang a floppy disk. <laughs> That's the last thing I can think of. I was looking at my. We should clearly be in charge of writing the Wikipedia summaries for these episodes. And George O'Malley hands Christina Yang a floppy disk. It's the last important thing I could think of. (laughs) The last important thing. I think, dear listener, that says a lot about episode three. (laughs) It does, truly. Um, This episode, to be honest, if you haven't watched it and you're on the fence, I would recommend not. Like you can just you can just keep going. <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, this episode's like a four. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's one of those that as as diehard watchers, we would tell you to just skip. Nothing really. Nothing actually happens in terms of the Mm-mm. story arc. Mm-mm. Nothing moves forward with Derek storyline. Nope. Nothing moves forward with Meredith's mom as a storyline. Nope. Um, it's pretty negligible as a whole, except for Viper. So uh, if you feel like sticking around for the next 15 to 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow, we really didn't sell that. Anyway, the dead baby bike race apparently is a real thing. It which, is. first of all, I think is the funniest name <laughs> <laughs> tells you a lot about my character. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about the actual event? I, I live in Seattle, um, so I am privy to the sights and sounds often referenced on the show set in Vancouver. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the annual dead baby downhill bike race. Uh, uh, bike race. There we go. There it is. Um, it's... It's the, like it's exactly what it looks like on this show. Is it um, really? Except it's not just bike messengers. It's like 
anyone on a bike can do it. And it's usually like funny bikes. Like they have crazy designed bikes. Um, Some people strap, a lot of people strap dolls, like baby dolls, (laughs) to their (laughs) bike. That is um, so, so wonderful. um, On their website. (laughs) They have a website? uh, (laughs) On the website, it says, accidents are not uncommon. The event was even featured in an episode of Grey's Anatomy. hey yo! And many past participants have crash stories they don't hesitate to share with excitement and bravado. Um, quote, the dead baby episode of Grey's Anatomy was pretty funny, said one member who goes by the nickname The Drunkle. <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> okay. It is a real honest-to-God thing that <laughs> happens in Seattle because we are a city of fucking weirdos. You gotta um, go, man. You gotta go this year. <laughs> I, I want to. This is your year. I feel like I feel like I have to do it uh, because of this podcast. Like it's my responsibility to the show. Maybe I'll come and visit as and, a and we'll go together. Yes, that's the dream. Only really. if you bring a baby doll. <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> I can work on that. <laughs> so this episode starts with the dead baby bike race. Um, and Derek almost gets hit by by one of the bike cyclists, <laughs> esteemed cyclists. And um, we have a, a John Doe early in this in this episode who has been struck by some of the cyclists, and he's brought into the hospital. And the interns are all working on him with some of the attendings. And it's clear pretty much immediately that he's he's not going to make it. Um, he's so gorked. Is, he's I gorked. <laughs> Right. I was looking for the professional term there, so thanks for throwing me that bone. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. So it's interesting. It's Izzy and Yang working together, Stevens and Yang working together on this particular case. And and Izzy's, like, so excited about it and so, like, invested in trying to, you know, make sure it's going to be okay. And Yang, as soon as she realizes that he is gorked, is pissed because she's lost a, a case that she was pretty excited about. Um, and <laughs> there's this awful line when I think it's Burke or Derek says like, you know, wait six hours. And if nothing happens, if he doesn't respond to these tests, declare him. And as he says, declare him, declare him what? <laughs> <laughs> and I just like, I just do not understand why she's so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's one of those moments where you're just like, how did she get into this program? Thank you. If he doesn't respond to these tests in the next five hours, what? We're supposed to just stand here and watch him die? If he doesn't respond to these tests, it's because he's already dead. <sighs> Technically and legally. Actually, Izzy, actually dead. He's breathing. He has a heartbeat. Look at his EEG. There's no higher brain function. He'll never talk, move, or think again. There's no one in there. Think like a doctor, Izzy. It's just, again, <gasps> so concerning that she is in this profession at all. <laughs> well, her literal response to that is, what about miracles? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like like somebody who has just lost their husband or wife or like son or daughter, you know, she says, well, miracles happen. And Yang tells her to think like a doctor. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I just think that that's so embarrassing for <laughs> Dr. Stevens. <laughs> Um, and Derek has like a sort of a moment of empathy. Um, but, but I read your notes on it and I think that I agree that that just like, it doesn't really speak highly that he's empathetic toward her in that moment. You know, it sort of just encourages her bad medical decision-making. Yeah. 
Yeah, I because I, on the one hand, he's really um, he's he's empathetic and understanding in the sense that he's like, well, this is why we wait six hours. We want to make absolutely yes. sure yes. that nothing happens, that it that no medical miracles do occur. But it's a kind of coddling of Izzy's um, less productive instincts, like empathic instincts that you just feel like is going to lead to a bad place. Like, she can't possibly yeah. grow as a doctor if these senior doctors keep sort of playing into her craziness. And it's craziness yes. at a certain point. It's, it, it truly, <laughs> truly is. It's just... Anyway, so <laughs> Izzy then gets hellbent on finding his family to... Because in case he does wake up, she wants his family to be there, apparently. And then Yang recognizes that, like, we should find his family because he's a, he's a great candidate for organ donation. He's a middle-aged man. Um, and so they sort of come together. And I just think that they're such a funny pair. Like, they're just like, Yang is so acutely aware that they would never, ever come together in any world except this one, you know? Um, and Izzy's just sort of trucking along. Um, so they work really hard to find, they find, like, a hotel card or something like that, and they're, and they're looking for the, for the family. And Yang is so excited about the surgery and Izzy's like I'm so excited to find the wife which I just think is like a horrible yeah. sign of her like future as a <laughs> medical professional <laughs> and I think I you think know? one of the uh, like a critical moment where you where I think you're supposed to see how batshit crazy Izzy is is when they go up to Izzy is is when um <laughs> they go up <laughs> to this nurse and they're like we found this key card and um could you please contact the family and get back to us as soon as possible? And the nurse says, like, repeats back to Izzy, oh, you'd like yes. to make contact with the family so that you can get authorization for organ donation. And she says it with, like, no expression on her face, just totally matter of fact. Right. And Izzy just goes, I just really want to talk to them. <laughs> She's so embarrassing. She's so embarrassing. And it's just like even this nurse who like they're given very little credit on Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> even this nurse is like, oh, yeah, you want this so thing true. for this medical reason. Of course. <laughs> no, I just want to talk to them. I just really want to find them. Anyway. <laughs> So they find them, and they're probably, I agree with your comment, um, or your note, that they are two of the worst casted extras <laughs> in, the, in the history of this show. So this John Doe's name is Kevin, um, and and his wife and daughter, who appears to be like 12, are, are cast in the show. <laughs> and... and Yang brings them into a room and can we just recall that Yang has been on this job for like a couple of months and I know that it's baptism by fire with an internship but like she's responsible for having the <laughs> organ harvesting right. <laughs> conversation with, a, with just like there's just not that's just wrong especially yeah, Yang because yeah. she's essentially a robot so she's sitting down talking to this woman and the wife is is she's a, quite a pretty woman but like her emotional reaction that her 12 year old daughter is like comforting her fake tears throughout this conversation it's just like truly it's it's, it's incredibly disturbing <laughs> it's scene awful. and i think one of the falsest <laughs> sad scenes of any gray's episode like the tone is totally <laughs> off the woman playing the wife is an awful actress um the child is not acting her age at one point um yang's going through what all they would like to be donated from kevin the gorked guy 
And she says, you know, (laughs) would you sign off on his skin? Like, they have to go organ by organ. And it's really important that we all remember an (laughs) 11-year-old is in the conference room (laughs) as the wife responds with, you want to cut off his skin? But what about a funeral? What if I wanted to have an open casket? I'm demonstrating more emotion about Kevin's skin than Deborah was. I, I don't think know what you her are. Name <laughs> And then the 11 year old reaches over yeah. and like pats her on instead the arm of starting and, like, to scream <laughs> in a way that like she looks like a robot who read about human yes. emotion on the internet. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, like they started hiring robot child extras. Yes. In 2005 yes. to get around child labor laws. And this was like the it's... first model. <laughs> I won't mistake you for problems with me. And I won't let my moods ruin this you'll see. I won't take everything good and move it away. I think that I'm looking back at your notes that about, can you speak a little bit to what you talked about with um, Yang in this particular storyline about her sort of soft skills and what she learned from this? I think that that was a really valuable point about sort of her character development. Oh, I think that it's, it's a stupid plot line in the sense that it's, um, we're seeing this medical professional fall apart in front of her eyes, um, Isabel Stevens. Um, and, and I have a lot of questions about why she's in the program. But in the, so in the one sense, it really skews how you look at Izzy because you're like, what are we dealing with with this character? But in the other sense, I think it's actually as absurd of the situation as it is. It's a growing moment for Yang um, because she's yeah. seeing she she gets to see the body in front of her as a person. And she really hasn't had to do that yet in the show. And it seems through conversations she has with other um, interns uh, and with attendings that she's never had to do that in her life. She's never really um, she's always separated bodies and people and had um, really a lot of reverence for the former and not much for the latter. (laughs) Um, And and it's 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 exactly that it's 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 the soft skills that Izzy has in spades that make her a terrible doctor yeah um yang has to learn those just a little bit not not too much but just a little bit in order to actually do her job um because she can't be yeah. good at her job with just the skills she already has for once in her life for once in her education she's not fully prepared for the situation <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's interesting because it's it's the the contrast of Yang and Stevens working together is so clearly that they're each supposed to learn something from the other. You know, Yang learning those sort of soft skills from mm-hmm. from Stevens and hopefully <laughs> ideally Stevens learning the hard skills from from Yang of saying like or you know saying it's a harvest surgery, think like a doctor, think, you know, scientifically he's dead, those sort of things. And I think that what's so frustrating about this episode, and frankly, one of the things that makes it boring is that Izzy continually doesn't learn anything. Like she just, I think you said like willfully (laughs) does not learn the lessons that she's been taught in the last few episodes. And I think that, you know, the, 
these do make her like an, an interesting character. And I think that she does develop more later on, but like initially it's so unattractive about her, you know, her, her lack of understanding of working in the medical field and lack of, you know, <laughs> just basic, <laughs> basic knowledge to be a doctor. You know, it's just, it's, it's so, so frustrating. And it, it just makes me frustrated to watch her as a, professional who got into this you know supposedly yeah. rigorous program so it's much more satisfying to see yang have to go in and have that conversation it's like you can you can see that yang is, is sort of rising as more of a lead mm. actor in that moment of like you're, you're seeing character development from very early on versus izzy you're like okay you've had another <laughs> fucking stupid week <laughs> you know like you have stupid in spades what are you doing i'm not a people person no kidding i i can't do that i can't talk to the families of patients i'm sorry What's his name? Who? The patient. What's his name? Kevin Davidson. Remember that. Not Gort Guy, not John Doe. Kevin Davidson. He's someone's husband, someone's son. Not a collection of body parts for you to harvest. A person. Well, no one said this was easy. And there's, like, no resolution. Izzy, like, completely yeah. gets off the hook yeah. of everything that she's supposed to do. Yang sort of owns up to what she needs to do and, and you know, has the tough conversations and things like that. But um, yeah. Izzy just doesn't. So it's another episode where we can be incredibly disappointed <laughs> in the doctor that she is. Even though I'll never need her Even though she's only given with pain I'll be on my knees to feel smile again even though i'll never need her even though she's only given me pain as the world is soft around her leaving me with nothing to The Karev thing with Karev and Meredith in the locker room. It is rough. You know, I was just talking to a coworker of mine on Friday, and I was telling her about this podcast because I tell lots of people about this podcast. <laughs> and she was like, so what do you guys think of Karev? And I was like, oh, oh, we've got feelings. <laughs> and then, of we course, do. I told her, I guess you'll just have to tune in. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I talked for like 30 minutes nice. about Alex Crab. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay. So he he crosses the line in this episode from yeah. just being a kind of a chauvinistic dick, like your typical white dude in a white dude-centric profession into yep. like a serial sexual harasser. <laughs> Paint, will you paint the picture of us for for what happens? Just paint, <laughs> paint me. Paint you a sad yeah, word picture. So so Karev. So in order to get this harvest surgery, um, a bunch of the interns go over Burke's head. Burke's the one who needs to sign off on keeping this guy alive so they can harvest the organs. Um, they go above his head all the way to the chief. So he's pissed at all of the interns except for Karev because Karev wasn't involved. So Karev 
by virtue of being completely outside of this plot line, gets to scrub in for the harvest surgery instead of Yang or Stevens or anyone else. So after the surgery, he's in the locker room, Meredith's in there too, and he's talking about how great he smells, that he smells like a heart, or like he smells or like, like surgery, shit, yeah. et cetera, and just like, just being like this macho, like breathing deeply, his his manly odors, and then he, so Meredith's rolling her eyes and is annoyed, and then he goes so far as to wrap himself around Meredith, um, uh. saying, smell me, smell me. And she flips out righteously and rightfully so and slams his ass against a locker and says, you know, it's fine for you to be this, this and this. Basically, it's fine for you to be a dick. Um, But don't you ever, you know, put your hands on me again and like get out of my face is is where she's at i have more important things to deal with than you i have roommates and boy problems and family problems you want to act like a little frat boy bitch that's fine you want to take credit for your saves and everybody else's that's fine too just stay out of my face and for the record you smell like crap um and it is it's great, except he, you know, that he wouldn't have been remotely embarrassed or put in his place by it, except that Derek walks in at the very yep. end of it. And Derek is the one who throws him out of the locker room yep. and then refers to Meredith's tiny ineffectual Which is just fists. like, and I was theory. like, I hope she hits yeah. you with them repeatedly. Yeah. What the fuck? It was Derek? a. A dude saving a dude in a way that was so predictable and frustrating. Yeah, yeah, it really killed an otherwise pretty maybe, powerful moment for Meredith. And and this is something I hadn't thought about before, but maybe one of the reasons I don't like this episode is because it feels like a series of scenes and events and lines that would not happen even two or three seasons later. You know, like it feels like something and we've talked about this before, but it was a mid-season start that something that like if they didn't need to bill it so hard to so many people, maybe some of these things like wouldn't have fit the bill. (laughs) You know, like I have a hard time believing that like Shonda would look with pride on some of those lines and things like that, (laughs) you know, (laughs) today. Right, right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I I made mention of this episode as being frustrating because I felt like it was sexual. It was like the sexual harassment mm-hmm, episode, mm-hmm. which is a lot of episodes of Grey's Anatomy. But this one, it was like supposed to be a laugh line, like a through line for the episode. And I just I didn't find the instances of sexual harassment funny at all. Yeah. Like, I didn't think it was funny when this random biker guy named Viper kisses Meredith. Yeah. Um, and that's played off as like a joke and something that Derek can be like playfully upset about because he sees this and, and like, kiss that and playfully the upset patient about initiated. her being slutty. Like that's kind of his, that's yeah, what he says, exactly. but like that's his sentiment. Is that like, Oh, instead Meredith, of upset like, that a patient kissed his doctor against like clearly against the doctor's wishes. She puts her hands up immediately yeah. to indicate that she's, she's not wanting yeah. this. She's not consenting to it. Um, and because he's this guy Viper is British and he's good looking, it, we're definitely supposed to be charmed by it. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to find Derek's reaction humorous. But instead, it's like some slut shaming bullshit yep. where it's Meredith's fault <laughs> that somehow isn't funny. <laughs> yeah, it's somehow Meredith's fault. She has to defend herself to this dude who will not quit pitifully asking her 
to go out with him. Then this thing happens with Karev. Meredith just has a shit yeah, episode really in does. terms of dudes just overstepping boundaries. And then on the other side of it, I think is similarly similarly uncomfortable. You have the chief's friend is a patient. Oh yeah, um, and he assigns George to that case, and he's an older gay black gentleman. Which awesome third episode right out of the gate. It's awesome, but he's pretty um, forward in his flirtation with. George and George again it's clearly unwanted attention yeah. and George is pretty obviously communicating that non-verbally to his patient that he's really uncomfortable and we're supposed to think that it's that it's funny or cute or that George is learning something right. about patient doctor relationships and it's like no like he's being like harassed by his patient there's and goes so <laughs> far as to a gray like, area as to tell his chief who's his boss's boss's boss yes. and the chief is yeah. like oh it's just mackie <laughs> you know there's like yes no yes. sense of any sort of accountability in a way that's it's, absolutely it's <laughs> and had it been had it been meredith who went to the chief and said, this patient is coming on to me, you know that they would have never written a storyline in which the chief says, oh, that's just Mackie. Right. No. (laughs) That's terrible. No, it's not a thing. (laughs) No. Like, I hate George, and he's the worst, and I don't know why anyone would be sexually attracted to him ever. But, like, that dude doesn't deserve the shit he got in this episode however well-meaning it it might have been truly and it only leads to his like when alex sort of goes into about alex about thinking george is gay and then it becomes this whole other thing and then george gets so preoccupied it's just oh i'm getting too frustrated yeah (laughs) sorry yeah it's yeah it's it's really really frustrating uh because um i I think it's one of karev's only redeeming moments is that he's like (laughs) Good for oh, you, yeah. man. If this guy's interested, get like yours. Karev could not care less. Yeah. He's like, get it, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a great <laughs> and moment then when, for him. <laughs> yeah, and then when George says, "I'm not gay," Karev doesn't make a big deal out of it. Like, oh, are you sure? <laughs> like, he just goes, "Oh, sorry," and then he just walks mm-hmm. away. Like, it's it's good. He doesn't do anything dickish in that scene. Right, well which done, is Karev. saying something. <laughs> That, like, but then you're right that George obsesses over yeah. it and like what this means about his masculinity and his chances with and with Meredith and it's <clears throat> gross and insulting. I really appreciate it. I'm looking back at your comments when you said that you're literal. I'm going to read this because it's so good. <laughs> I get that George is fresh faced and has big blue eyes or whatever, but come on. I don't believe for a second that he's a heartthrob for anyone of any gender or any sexuality. And this is where it gets really important <laughs> because listeners should call in or write in if they strongly disagree, because I can speak for us both that we have a lot of questions. <laughs> Because I do think that that's really true. Like he's, if there are people out there who are deeply attracted to him or his character, I'd be very interested. We want to hear from, from you. Them. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that there are such obvious people that, like, there are very clear channels of people who you're supposed to be attracted to in the show because they're yes. all so attractive. Um, and and I just think that George is like an incredible outlier in that situation. Like he's a very, I mean, I don't, I agree, he's a sweet faced blue-eyed I think he's 
I think that like he's from Seattle, but in my head he's like from Ohio. You know? Yeah, no, I think he he's from like northern Washington. Yeah, or something, I just like, like that. I'm yeah. so curious to know if there are people who are in that camp of really loving George. Yeah. So if you're out there, please, 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 please write, write to us. <laughs> we will follow up with you. We really, you genuinely really want to have this conversation. Yes. <laughs> And we won't just browbeat you into submission. We'll we listen. Won't. Yeah. We promise. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> you know how we feel. Okay. So, so yeah, the sexual harassment through line is just a frustrating one. It's, um, and, and to what end, you know, like, where does it, where does it really get us? It doesn't make me, the moment when Derek intervenes with Karev and Mare, it doesn't make me like Derek anymore. It doesn't really do anything for their relationship other than to further emphasize that he has much more power than she does. Exactly. Even in her peer-to-peer relationships. Yep. And that you know? and that he's in every sphere of her life. Mm-hmm. Like, it, he's, like, incredibly inescapable for her. And, and yeah. even go so far as... We didn't actually talk about the the very beginning of when the when this when this particular episode opens. It's four thirty in the morning, and they're starting their day. And Meredith wakes up to Izzy and George bitching about being roommates and rooms and things like that. And they, I think that we can. Teresa and I were roommates in college, and I think that we can both speak. And we had a pretty interesting roommate situation in college that like I have unconventional unconventional is a word that I would choose and it's it's there's a short story there waiting to write itself but having been in a precarious roommate situation before I think that if we had shared a house or apartment with George and Izzy like we would both be in prison because we would be convicted of murder because they are so horrible they're just they're just really truly terrible and i won't go down the rabbit hole of george and izzy being as terrible as they are because we've already done that in this episode but it is suffice to say at 4 30 in the morning if they woke me up with the kinds of things that they did i would just just kill them just <laughs> just right then and there like you'd have a scalpel and i'd still go to work pillow. after like that's how not badly <laughs> i would feel yeah you'd have to be like well gotta get that paycheck yeah yeah <laughs> work 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 anyway work, work. <laughs> exactly so i say this because meredith then goes to work and this dead baby bike race is going on and she's getting harassed left and right and derek the entire time is trying to woo her Like, he's Mm -hmm. trying to, like, go out with me. He's asking her out on a date is really what he's doing. Um, In the previous episodes, I think that there was sort of this sentiment of of sleep with me again. We had such a great time. We had such a great time. Sleep with me again. And now he's kind of playing the long game and is saying, you know, go out with me. Go on a date with me. Go on a date with me. And she's got a great moment where she says, like, leave me the fuck alone, (laughs) essentially. Um, And she says, like, you're not interested in this. Like, you're interested in the chase, and you just want to chase me, and you only want me because I'm saying no. And that's a terrible reason to chase me. And I have so much sympathy for her in that moment because she has been up since 4.30 in the morning. She's working her ass off. There's, like, Izzy's bothering her to try and save a dead man. Somebody is, you know, she's just like, she has the world on her shoulders in this moment. And he's like, hey, do you have a second? Do you want to get breakfast sometime? (laughs) 
And it's awful. Like, it's just so, to, to like, deal with that at work is so, and he's obviously charming and wonderful and, like, makes anybody want to say yes to a fucking breakfast date with him. But, like, yeah, it yeah. just makes me so mad. The men in this episode are just particularly infuriating. <laughs> they're, so, yeah, they're so infuriating. They're just screwing people over left and right. Um, and trying to screw them left and right. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, it's it's terrible timing on Derek's part. I can appreciate the sort of gender swap of him pining after mm. this woman in sure. a romantic, not just sexual sense. You know, she says, we slept together. Like, <laughs> that's it. Get over and he's it. Like, and he literally says verbatim, we kissed in an elevator. Just this moment <laughs> where I'm like... <laughs> I have a flashback to Burke in the first episode, like, get your balls out of your back pocket, (laughs) Shepard. What the fuck, man? You just said out loud to a woman you're interested in, we kissed in an elevator. (laughs) And she has, like, an eye roll in response. Oh, God, does she? God damn it, why did I kiss him in that fucking elevator? If he didn't have that hair, that would have been the nail in the coffin for his wooing. Truly would have been. It was not an attractive moment for yeah, a very attractive really, man otherwise. <laughs> he was not good. <laughs> he doesn't wear pitiful well. He really doesn't. I mean, he wears everything well, but <laughs> damn anyway. It. God damn it. <laughs> we kissed in an elevator. <laughs> but I do think that that's a great point, though. Like, does he, is it believable at this point that it's not, just the chase like is he actually interested and i i don't know i think that if he again if he didn't have the hair and the sparkly eyes i don't think that i i would think it was just the chase but i just don't think it is yeah yeah i yeah it's it's a tough one because i feel like if you watch the show in a vacuum you have no other context for it i think it is just the chase at this point yeah i think there's room for change but at this point They've had sex exactly one time. And they kissed in an elevator. And they kissed in an elevator. So it's like, he wants to have sex again. That's where we're at right now yeah. in this relationship. And you're going to have a really hard time convincing any like 28-year-old woman that that's not the thing that he wants. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. At this point, yeah. if that's your only context. And yeah, it's like, I it's not that agree. I'm even mad at him that that's what he wants. Like, that's that's fine, but he's not recognizing, he's not respecting the reasons Meredith is saying no. And exactly. her reasons are valid, because yep. her reasons are, you're my boss. <laughs> and this is like the first two months of my job. Yeah, of, of my career. Should we should we do the bits? Yeah, let's do some let's do some fucking bits. I don't think we have anything else really to say about this episode that was yeah. pretty pretty boring. Viper makes it out okay. He kind of deserved to die more than Kevin, um, yeah. who, as yeah. far as we can tell, just married a boring wife. You know, he didn't do anything and had wrong. A, had like a <laughs> soulless child or something. Like I don't know. And has beautiful skin. <laughs> And then we kissed in an elevator. (laughs) (laughs) We have some problems. Um, (laughs) All right. So death tally wise. 
I think it was just Kevin. Like, I don't just, think we lost anybody else. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, just Kevin and uh, Which probably I guess by- Kevin's wife's um, acting career because presumably <laughs> someone saw her and then was like, You know what? <laughs> no. I'm going to go so far as to say that that's a sadder death. <laughs> because it was probably a big break for her at the time, yeah, you know? Yeah. So I think saddest yeah. death is, is, is <laughs> Diane or whatever you called her earlier. I don't know. <laughs> I called her Deborah. <laughs> That's not her name either. Deborah Diane. <laughs> her acting career. And if she's watching, I'm I'm very curious to know if she's done anything since. <laughs> anyway. Woman who played oh, Diane slash Deborah. Talk... We would love to have you on the show <laughs> after insulting you. <laughs> yeah. We would also, for the record, have basically anyone on the show. <laughs> Music breakdown. Um mm, mm, good episode. We heard uh, can we just talk about that Lisa Way Loeb better. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. plays a crucial role mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in this episode. Um, I remember watching this and re-watching it just the other night. And I like was slouched in the couch watching it and like taking notes and all of a sudden I sat dead upright and to no one except my dog said, Is that Lisa Loeb? <laughs> Singing And Hank said Fools Like <laughs> Me <laughs> And Hank was like, Yes, I think that was Lisa Loeb. <laughs> Star of approximately You look over 10. at Hank's wearing ironic glasses. <laughs> yes. There's no lenses in those glasses, Hank. <laughs> um Anyway, she's singing Fools Like Me, which is delightful. Um, Otherwise, there was a Tegan and Sarah song, which we always have to note. I Won't Be Left, which is a great song. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are the two songs that I had. I think there was maybe a Sia song in this episode. I can't remember totally. But um, those are the two songs that I really had picked out was the Lisa Loeb and, and Tegan and Sarah. Yeah, um, I would I would definitely give it to Lisa Loeb. It's a great song. It's a great montage. Yeah. Um, this Which episode was much better do, musically yeah. than it was content-wise. Uh, yes. Like, a lot of really good choices. <laughs> um, I did like that your music breakdown was like, Caps Lock, Lisa Loeb, and Tegan and Sarah, and some montage song by a white dude that sucked. <laughs> Fun yeah. fact about that white dude, it's actually the guy from Snow Patrol singing what? with a different band. Yeah. Well, um, that's because he's a the goddamn reindeer... Reindeer, oh, uh, reindeer section. Yeah, the reindeer, reindeer section? section. Yeah, ah, I know them. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. Anyway, it's not a good song. <laughs> it's not a good song, which uh-uh. is a bummer because I like Snow Patrol. Yeah, I you really know, like Snow they... Patrol. Huh. I downloaded well, I downloaded all of the songs to cut and splice into this episode, except for the reindeer section song because, see? again, it sucked. And my statement stands. It's a white dude and the song sucks. Plus, and it goes back to a further um, applause for Lisa Loeb that um, his song was, the Reindeer Section song was for a montage and it was shitty because it's hard to do a really great montage song Mm -hmm. because montages are inherently like corny and weird as a viewer and to do a song that really makes you buy into it, like Lisa Loeb. Mm-hmm. Lisa Loeb, if you're out there and want to be on the show, we would happily have you. We're as here well. for you. <laughs> Your ironic glasses are welcome. Yes. <laughs> and so I think we give it to Lisa Loeb because it's a great montage song, and we know that Tegan and Sarah will have a place in our heart always, anyway, all the mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. always. Yeah. <laughs> no, 
Um, Chief resident, do you have a vote for this? I I agreed with your vote, I think. Um, uh, and I think, so uh, your vote was Meredith. And I think you're yeah. totally right that these, um, you say that these earlier episodes on purpose highlight Meredith's successes. And that's that's totally true. I think like they're like they're really going out of their way to yeah. set us to set her up as something special. Um, yeah, and they do they do a good job with that. Yeah, um, she's definitely. I think the chief resident here. It's hard to everybody else was so focused on either themselves or something. You know, personal growth in a way that Meredith had had was just sort of brave in this episode. She was sort of unapologetically brave in a really wonderful way. Yeah. So yeah. chief resident so goes Karev, to Meredith. Karev fucks up Viper. Viper comes yeah. back in dying and Meredith just takes care of that and is, yeah. is totally on top of it and diagnosed it correctly in the first place and was like, this is not just a surface wound. We need to do further yes. tests. Um, so right. again, sticking her her neck out professionally um, and Absolutely. being right in large part. Yeah. Aside from yeah. when she goes along with Izzy's stupid And even plan. when she, yeah. <laughs> she's, which brings us to our 007 of the week. 007. 007. Izzy. <laughs> Yeah, it's got to be. Um, she's just—I mean, she's just embarrassing, <laughs> and and not in like a medical way, <laughs> you know. Like you said, <laughs> Megan said, and I quote: "Izzy for being kind of stupid, both medically and emotionally," <laughs> which is perfect. You know, it's just how I feel. You know, and, and furthermore, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, is that everybody was supposed to learn something this week. And Izzy, once again, failed to do that. And I just think that there's nothing. I mean, there's a lot of people who were dicks in this episode. Um, and But Izzy was the biggest dick in this episode. It was just hard to hard to watch at some points, which is, yeah. I truly think is what the 007 of the episode is, is that like, that's where that name comes from, is something that's like so painful that it's hard to watch. <laughs> and that's how I feel with Izzy this week. Yeah. I just really want to find him. Did you have any medical facts for this week? <laughs> I didn't have any medical facts. I considered my medical fact to be that the dead baby downhill race exists. Is a real thing. Is a real thing. It will be held again this summer, and you, I will probably go. <laughs> do you know if anybody has died in the dead baby downhill bike um, race? No one's died, but there have been injuries. There, okay. Because uh, okay. they talk about it on the site. They're like, oh, yeah, there are totally injuries. And I'm like, well, of course but there are. I mean, but no Kevin's, no Kevin's, no Gorked okay. guys. Oh God, I should well, knock on. Lucky I'm gonna for... knock on this IKEA furniture, <laughs> yeah. um, which is not wood, but that's your space. My medical fact: I was um, doing some research about uh, this. Is the show really just plays into the worst parts about our personalities? Um, <laughs> about you know organ harvesting surgeries. <laughs> sure, as one is anyway to do. As one is wont to do, if you're me. Um, and what I learned is that when they do surgeries like Kevin's, they typically actually take out the heart first because hearts have the shortest shelf life. They need to be transported as quickly as possible. Um, and so they actually take the heart out first and then they proceed with the lungs and then, you know, liver, pancreas, whatever else they can donate throughout the body. Um, and in this episode, they actually do the opposite. They take the heart out last. Um, and I think that that is solely for dramatic purposes <laughs> because that means that the heart stops beating. And I also have a really, my, you know, knowledge of anatomy is not all that great, but I have a hard time believing that the heart can like fully pump and function at a normal pace during the surgery as it does when all of the other organs are gone. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, 
A lot of questions there. That's a question for our medical consult. <laughs> but anyway, Seems that's a suspect. <laughs> yes. Um, that that said I did um, I did kind of like we didn't quite touch on this but I did kind of like Mm -hmm. Burke's approach to the harvest surgery this episode I think we see Burke as um, a human doctor for the first time Mm -hmm. when he says that he doesn't like harvest surgeries Um, we didn't talk about this that is a great point though yeah and I I liked that moment for him Um, and and I think it's uh I think it's Yang is surprised that he doesn't like harvest surgeries because, of course, she's like, oh, it's so many surgeries in one. Um, and he he finds them to be a bit sad. He's, you know, um, yeah, he he wants to save lives. Um, and, and so that's part of his job is was is this kind of work. But he feels like a like a butcher, I think, is. Right. He says something yeah, like that. Yeah, he's yes. Um, yeah, he's something. Yeah, exactly. It's a that is a great moment. Yeah, it is. It is a nice moment. It's like the first time that I'm like, oh, Burke, you've got, you've got some other stuff going on there. Like maybe a heart. Yeah, maybe maybe a heart that hasn't uh, <laughs> been taken out by a transplant yet. Um, yeah, and it and it's kind of a nice, um, a kind of a nice counter to Yang's hunger for this surgery to see a really accomplished. Uh, surgeon in, in this field say, you know, this isn't my favorite thing to do. This isn't what I especially became a in an episode. For. Yes, right. Especially in an episode where we're trying to teach Yang how to have feelings. Yeah, um, it's a good moment. Yeah, yeah. I never liked harvesting. Why? Like I said, I'm a surgeon. I save lives. This ends one. I won't get mad when you say things are getting too hard. I won't make all of your love so scared to come through our yard. I won't scream my head and let it isolate me. Seriously. Best line. This is the... This is the only other <laughs> that too much? bit that I have written down. <laughs> Best line. <laughs> have you noticed um, that I've started inserting various seriouslys from the episode to indicate that our best line is coming? Seriously. Yeah. Listener, if you hadn't <laughs> caught on to that, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> what do you what are what are your thoughts on best I, line today? We perfectly aligned for this episode i know i didn't write it down i had weird notes for episode uh-huh. three but it's a hundred percent burke in the men's restroom so so yang and uh yang and meredith need <laughs> to talk to burke in order to get approval for this harvest surgery for what god knows what reason they decide well the only place we can get him alone is in the men's room dr preston burke is standing at a urinal peeing having a little me time and uh and they <laughs> confront him about about the surgery and he just has the most incredible response to get them out of it out of the uh <laughs> men's room <laughs> i am a surgeon i save lives this guy is already dead now this is the men's room either whip one out or close the door It's so good. It's so good. It's so, so good. And I think it's also so funny, but it's also wonderful because like you just said about the last, about the last thing about the harvest surgery, that it shows like the first two episodes are so focused on Burke being a dick and just like this, like sort of pompous, over-intelligent, over-qualified asshole. 
um, who's incredibly arrogant, um, to being this like kind of funny human, (laughs) you know, like it's just a wonderful, (laughs) wonderful moment. I just love it. It's so good. It's a really, really great moment. Um, And it's also, I was looking at uh, like the IMDB page for this episode, Uh and it's also a really great blooper that um, (laughs) the door like the prop I door read this. Sorry. <laughs> for the men's restroom there's no interior handle so technically when yang and meredith <laughs> close that door like burke is stuck in that bathroom <laughs> there's no way out it swings, it swings in and there's no handle <laughs> um Usually those are really stupid, like somebody's bangs are on a different side of their face than they were a frame before. But that was a good one. I was like, oh, yeah. That's a great one. Um, Yeah. So 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 Burke, again, just kind of telling it straight. Either whip one out or close the door. It was a great movement. And again, another moment in the episode that kind of blurs the line between like being okay and harassment. Not him, but the women following him into a men's restroom like that's not okay not okay and if it had been reversed it would have been really really you know what I mean like that would would never ever be like joking about that we'd be like oh yeah in the episode where Preston Burke is fired because he followed two female interns into the bathroom (laughs) <laughs> but I think it's a great it is a great segue into episode four, which I am excited to talk about yeah. um, of yeah. like a humanized yes. work. And because I think that we're slowly sort of seeing that that really sort of crusty, shiny shell. Yeah. I don't know. Break down a yeah. little bit in a good way. In a, in a really good so. way. Because, yeah, it, it yeah. could only be one dimensional like that for so long. Um, but, so, yeah, yeah. Our, our characters are coming into being. They're coming into themselves they for are. better, Preston Burke, and for worse. Izzy mm-hmm. Stevens. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, th- I do. Your very last thing that you wrote here is that these, the um, after Meredith waking up to some really horrible, shitty roommates, um, that that the episode ends with them watching her mother's surgical tapes at their home, and Meredith initially was quite upset about this, and then she comes in and they're all sitting around the couch eating pizza, and it's, they're all. I mean, it's Izzy and George and Christina, and Meredith walks in. And they're eating pizza and drinking beer. And she just, like, snuggles up on the couch with them and, and like, watches the tapes. And there's this really wonderful, I think that you said that it was, like, um, sort of, like, camaraderie yeah. between them that I think is really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. She She's so um, resistant to it at the beginning of the episode, telling Yang how terrible these roommates are. And then at the end of the episode, Yang is there, too, which I think is the pivot for her to stick around, which is cute as well. And it, it is. It's just mm-hmm. a really warm, nice moment of, like... Um, this chosen family kind of moment. And that's that's sort of what they're becoming. Yeah. And, it's, and it's important because their lives are kind of going to be hell for many years in this program. Yeah. And these small moments are going to get them it, through. And I do think that it is sort of a, and I know that that's, that's true for them, that they're, they're a, you know, resi- they're starting their residency, which is like years and years of hell, like you said. But um, I do think that that is a universal truth for anybody who's in that time in their life. You know, like if you ask any sort of mid to late 20 year old where they are and if they're living far away from their parents and their college friends or whatever it is, like you, there is an element of chosen family to that part of your life. Um, and deciding, you know, who you spend your time with is is more than just who you spend your yeah. time with. 
um, because you, you do get to sort of choose your family in that part of your life. And I think that's important. And I think that they get those scenes sort of get a lot of us. They sort of pull a lot of us in as like a, yeah, you know, you, you sort of do get to do that yeah. thing in that time in your life. And it's hard, but it's also really yeah. lucky. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I mean, you, you get to make those choices about who you, you become close with and who you invite into your life in that way. And it's, it's a cool kind of power that you didn't have growing up yeah. when you were just stuck with whatever <laughs> yeah. you got. Um, <laughs> but before we go, sort of a last note, when, uh, uh, on a different night, the roommates tried to watch these medical tapes of Ellis Gray, Meredith's mother. Um, Meredith comes home in like a black rage. She's just super pissed off. She's had a terrible <laughs> day. She's been harassed by like everyone and their brother. Um, yep. <laughs> and uh, George says, we ordered Chinese food. And Meredith screams, I hate Chinese food. And my question to you is, is this true or is she being dramatic? And number two, if it is true, is this so far the worst thing we've found out about Meredith Grey's character? <laughs> Your thoughts. <laughs> My knee-jerk reaction thoughts are, yes, she hates oh, Chinese no. food. <laughs> I know. I know. And... My second to the second question is if she is being dramatic, <laughs> either way, it's the worst thing either, she's ever done. Either way, you've betrayed every single one of us. Everyone. Um, insert yeah. Tyra Banks yelling at Tiffany, Jif. We were rooting for you. We were all rooting yes. for you. <laughs> really, though? Like, I mean, is there, I mean, all Chinese food? Yeah, that's like a really big claim. You know, like not even cream oh, cheese wontons. Oh my god! Like nobody doesn't like yeah. that shit. Yeah, <laughs> you don't like fried rice. Any fried rice, vegetable like, fried rice. You I don't, don't want need that you in your to mouth. Like everything, <laughs> but I need you to like something, Meredith. I need you to like something. Okay. It's a it's a really disturbing because moment. If Derek had known that, I don't think that he would have Mm-mm. kissed you in the elevator. We kissed in an elevator. He definitely you know? would not have. He would not want it he, so much. And and because he probably likes a little leftover cold Chinese food after sex. <laughs> oh, I don't know why. Because, because he's, he's a real life okay? person with taste buds. And not a robot, which you sometimes seem like <laughs> yeah, you probably yeah. are. And if he knew that he couldn't have that with you because you won't kiss him when he has the taste of General Chow Chicken in his mouth, he probably would go for Izzy. You know, and like rightfully so. And, and she's an idiot. And I'm not so. saying I wouldn't watch that spinoff, <laughs> but I wouldn't be as invested. And this would be a very different podcast. A really different podcast. <laughs> that would, I'm going to be honest, probably still exist. <laughs> well, we said this was going to be shorter because we think this episode was boring okay, yeah. and it was an hour. Um, but thanks for listening. <laughs> we will. Thanks we will have listening. episode four up and running soon. Um, and our ability to complain truly. Oh knows my god, no it's bounds. limitless. Uh, it's like our greatest. It's our superpower I collectively. Think, I think we could talk about a grocery list for an hour. To be honest, the organization of this know? it just doesn't make any sense. You're looking at your produce, and then you, you have to walk go into hike the dairy section. Are you crazy? <laughs> Everything is wrong. <laughs> I would, to be honest, I would do that podcast too. (laughs) 
things that are wrong with lists I've seen. So if you're listening in, uh, tune Just into our next there podcast. For... Just shit we hate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Um, and again, if you Thank do you for find uh, George O'Malley, not T.R. Knight, who we're separating out as a lovely, attractive, wonderful human being, I'm sure. Yes. But if you find George O'Malley specifically to to sexually arouse you <laughs> as a character, please <laughs> do get in touch with us. We Please we want to know. Please do. <laughs> we want to hear from you. We need your and, MTV and your... True Life. <laughs> I'm sexually aroused <laughs> by George O'Malley. <laughs> I can't even say it out I know, loud. I'm so I, proud uh, of you for saying yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Thank you. It took a lot. <laughs> we want to hear from you. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> Bye.